we're going to keep on trucking through our church series, and uh, we're on Mark number 10. We've come a long way, haven't we? Mark number 10, and it's been a little while, hasn't it? We missed for the fair, we missed because of uh, Noah's Ark type flooding, not that bad, but the water coming down last week, uh, and now we are back, so it's good to be back with you. And last time we talked about deacons. I don't know if any of you remember that, uh, but we talked about Mark number 9 was biblically qualified deacons. A, a healthy church has biblically qualified deacons. And this week, that segues us right into, uh, honestly, the core of our entire series, and that is biblically qualified elders. And we're going to spend probably three weeks on this. This week, I... Uh, I plan on making it just, we're doing a simple 10,000 foot overview, just moving into here's the biblical precedent for this. This is what we see in the word and uh, kind of an introductory setting us up for the digging into uh, eldership. And then the next two weeks, we will be looking at qualifications in more depth. And then we will be looking at uh, the role and the function of elders as they, uh, you know, actually go into the nitty gritty of church life. So that's where we're headed. But this morning, it's going to be a little bit shorter. Uh, I'm going to get down to the, we're having a back to school party. So we'll be doing that. But um, we're just going to do a real quick overview and entrance into what eldership is so that way we can just move right in next week and not have to worry about uh, this because we'll already have the foundation laid. Sound good? All right. So there's three words normally used in the, in the Bible for elder. One is the word for elder, right? And that word is pre, uh, presbyteros. Anyone want to say that in their regular old speech, right? Yes, this is the Greek word for uh, elder. So presbyteros, that's where Presbyterian comes from the word Presbyterian. And actually, if it makes sense because if you look at the system, right, we're Congregationalists. We've talked about that. And we, we all have the ultimate authority in the hands of the congregation. Well, Presbyterians are not like that. Their ultimate authority is in the Presbytery, which is in this hierarchy of elders. Um, and that's why they're called Presbyterians. And it comes from this same Greek word, and it's the word for elder. And uh, that's one of the words that's used for this particular office. Another one is Episkopos. Which, sound familiar to any other denomination? Mainline, maybe? Episcopalian, exactly right. Yeah, those mainline guys. Uh, that is what that comes from. So we have the Presbyterians coming from that, and now Episcopos is where uh, Episcopalian derives itself from. And that just means bishop. It's what's translated into bishop. So we have bishop, we have elder, and then we have poimen. There's another word for you, right? These are all new words you're going to use in your regular vocabulary, right? Uh, Perry's going to go home and start saying, boy, man, and he's going to say, what's that? And Perry's going to inform somebody what that means. And that means pastor or shepherd. Pastor literally means shepherd. Uh, those are interchangeable terms. So uh, those are the three ways that this, there's this office of elder that we see in the word, and there's three terms that are used really interchangeably for that same exact office. So now every time you see elder, isn't necessarily referring to the office that we're talking about tonight because sometimes, for example, in uh, I think it's 2 Timothy where Paul says, respect your elders, it's not referring to this office, it's using the same word, 
for older people, right? That's, that's what it's, it's saying. Respect the people that are wise and older than you because they've been through life. That's what he's saying there. So there are these terms that are used for other contexts, but these are often interchanged for what we're talking about tonight, which is the biblical uh, model of church leadership, eldership as the model of the leadership of the church. And so each of these names, each of these words have a meaning, right? It's we, if we believe that the Word of God isn't wasted in its words, then we have to believe that the words are given to us for a reason, right? It, you know, it, it's not any mistake that there's three different words for one office. And they really uh, give us a sense, a different sense of the office in each one. The word for pastor or shepherd really emphasizes the, the care, the guidance, the, the real nitty-gritty caring for the flock, just like a shepherd would, right? Out in the field with his staff, and he's, he's defending the sheep, he's guiding the sheep, he's, he's, he's tending to the sheep. That is the picture that that the pastor or shepherd really gives, but it is still referring to the office of elder. Also, bishop, episcopos, it's really emphasizing the, the functionality of the office. So whenever uh, bishop, if you see it, bishop in your English translations, it's referring to the office of elder, but it's really emphasizing this practical, uh, you know, in the trenches, functionality, the doing of the actual office. So it's the functional emphasis of this office. And then finally, we get to elder. So whenever you see elder as it actually pertains to what we're talking about, the leadership in the church, it uh, emphasizes what we're going to look at next week, especially, and that's the character of the office. So it denotes, especially, emphasizes this character of what an elder is, who an elder is, what the group of elders uh, ought to be, and that's what the term elder really emphasizes. And of course, they're not exclusive in that, but they have their own emphases in the way that they're used there. So I just thought that was pretty neat and worth saying that there's three different terms for the same office, interchangeable, and each of them are used in a specific way that each carry their own connotations, their own emphases uh, as they are used. And so don't get scared away whenever you see three things. Just think that is really amazing that God worked that way, right? Because he's an amazingly intelligent God, and we uh, are given brains to be able to say, wow, Lord, you are you're really amazing in the way you've given us your word. And that's one of the ways. Okay. So in the New Testament, every single time, without exception, there is not one exception that I'm aware of, that I've ever read of, I've ever read in the word. Every single time, without exception, when elder is used to refer to the official leadership of the church, so it'll say the elders at Philippi, or the elders of Corinth, or the elders of Fill in the blank. Every single time, it always is plural. Every single time. It never, ever, ever is singular. Not once. And that's the same exact way with deacons, right? It's never will you find in the Bible, unless it's referring to a deacon, singular, for a specific person. For example, when it refers to Phoebe in Romans, it says it calls her a deacon, and it's obviously singular because there's only one Phoebe, right? That is the exception to the rule, but you can see there that it's referring to one person. But when it's referring to a, the leadership in the church, every last time, every single time without fail, it's always a plurality, both deacons and elders. 
So we see that there's a precedent even in the way that the words are given, right? Because it matters whether they're plural or whether they're singular. And uh, we see that they're plural every single time. So also, never in all of the New Testament is there any other leadership structure presented to refer to uh, any other type of, you know, here's, you know, there's a king over the church, or there's the pope over the church, or there's a whatever over the church, or there's, there's never, ever, ever any other structure given, no other leadership model given for the church except for elders, a plurality of elders over the church, serving the church, leading the church, guiding the church, uh, administering the church, what they need to have, you know, administration work. All of these things are packed together into eldership, and that is the only New Testament model for leadership in the church. There is none other. And uh, that's important for us to recognize because that really sets a singular precedent. That really sets a pointed, here it is, there is no other type of leadership model for the church. That's really incredible. So, what does the Bible explicitly say about elders? And that's what I want to look at here for a little bit together with you this uh, tonight. And um, that will set us up for what we're going to talk about next week. And this is, and I want to say this clearly, this is only what the Bible explicitly says about elders. There are a lot of things, a lot of texts that imply eldership, right? We could look at any number of texts and you can see elders are implied in the text, but it's just not explicit in the way it's written. This is explicit, meaning elders are specifically mentioned in the text, okay? That is each one of these texts, and actually this isn't every single one of them. I cut some out for the sake of time because it would take us, well, we'd probably be here till 9.30, and I don't want to do that to you guys. So we're just going to start. I'm not going to have anybody read anything tonight because it would be uh, like chickens with our heads cut off, and I don't want to do that to you either. So here we go. I'm just going to start rattling them off, and my only goal here is this. Over the next couple weeks and here tonight, I want us to... Know what the Word of God says. I want us to love what the Word of God says. And I want us to uh, love Jesus in such a way that we desire to be faithful to what the Word of God says. That's my only goal for this. And that's why I want to start with all of these scripture passages. Um, so let's, here we go. Acts 11, 29 through 30. And we're going to move kind of in chronological order until the end. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So they sent it to the, the elders in Jerusalem, that would be in Judea. Acts 14.23, when they had appointed elders from every church, right? That's really, that's, that's very clarifying language. I'll read it again. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, with praying and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. That's amazing. That's just glorious. The, I wish I could have been there. That is just so awesome, the way that that uh, depicts what's happening there. Acts 15, 2. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, they had this big falling out and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So this is the Jerusalem council. There's this huge 
scuffle about do we have to observe Judy, uh, Judaism and the law of Moses and all that goes with that? Do we have to be kosher and have cleansing? Uh, all this stuff happen, and that's what is happening here. And what does it say? They went up to the apostles and the elders. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So, he sent to Ephesus and he called all the elders in Ephesus to come to him. Acts chapter 20, verses 28. Same chapter, just a little later. They carefully... I cut the first letter off. Uh, they careful. They pay t- careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. So this is to the elders, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Which is again the same exact language used for the same office, overseers in the church to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. That's the role of an elder to care for the church of God, uh, which He obtained with His own blood. Fast forward, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Man, I respect you guys. You are thumbing along. I'm impressed. I really am. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and here we go, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So it says here that the purpose of these shepherds and these teachers, elders, the purpose of them is to build up the body of Christ. Okay, flip over, Philippians 1.1, and the entire book begins this way. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. So there you get a little taste of both of them, the overseers and the deacons splitting these two up, right? They're not the same. We talked about that last time. And uh, now we see them both on full display, plurality of deacons, plurality of elders, overseers, as it's translated in this text. Okay, 1 Timothy 5.17, moving forward a little bit. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So here we're, he's making a distinction about elders that uh, are, it says, rule, who rule uh, well. So they're ruling well. May they be considered of, uh, or worthy of double honor. And these, he really is talking about these these elders who have committed themselves, and it says here at the end, who labor in preaching and teaching. So these are the elders specifically who rule well in preaching and teaching. They've given their, all their selves to this work, and so he's commending them to support them. That's what's happening in that text. Titus 1.5. This is why I left you in Crete. This is, this is incredible. I read this sometimes, and it just... Blows me away. This is why I left you in Crete. So he left, he left Titus there. 
so that you might put what remained into order. He left them there to put everything into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So he thought that it was so important for Titus to stay behind, right? This beloved travel companion of Paul. He left them behind on Crete, this island, and he left them there for one purpose, so that he would put into order the churches, the elders, just as he uh, had directed him. And that it was elders in every town, meaning apparently all these towns had local churches, right? Just like Summit Mills and Myersdale Grace Brethren. And he says, Titus, now go and establish elders there. That's what's happening in this text. James 5.14. Is anyone among you sick? We know this one. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the... What do you think it's going to say? The elders. There it is. Excellent. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So there we're talking about anointing and the elders doing that service for a sick person. Okay. First Peter. I told you we're shotgunning them off and I am still so impressed with you guys. First Peter 5, 1, 2, 4. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is the text where we get the, the name. Often pastors will call each other under shepherds, right? You ever hear the under shepherd? And it's because of this text, right? We're shepherds called the shepherd the flock underneath of the under shepherd, capital S. That's where under shepherd comes from, if you've ever heard it, from this particular text and others like it. Okay. And then finally, the text that we're going to land on, that text we're going to land on in two weeks, and we're going to look at it in pretty good depth. And next week, we're going to look at two pretty good-sized texts. The first one is in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7. And this is the uh, direct, the, the, the paragraph or the section right before what we looked at last week, or three weeks ago, with deacons. These are qualifications here. So this is qualifications for overseers or, in other words, elders. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, but a, uh, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation, the condemnation of the devil." Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare 
of the devil. So there's some qualifications, and those are biggies, aren't they? That's a lot of qualifications, and that is a high, high standard of a man, is it not? Whew, that is a high standard. And then also, uh, as if that wasn't enough, man, Titus 1, 5 through 9 gives another list of qualifications. Not that they're completely different, but just in different words. Titus 1, 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete, same uh, verse we read before, so that you might put uh, what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Verse 6. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word, the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That is, that makes my knees shake about, right? I mean, that's a, that is a really high list there. Um, and that is what we're going to look at in depth next week. So we see all of this elder talk, and it's explicit in all of these texts. And so we see there is a very good precedent. I didn't count how many passages there is. I think that explicitly mentioned throughout the New Testament, we're speaking of this church model of leadership. I think that it's like 28 times, something like that, um, that the elder is used or a word to refer to the same office. And so it's shot through the New Testament, especially after Acts when the church is instituted. We see it all over the place. Um, and it really does stem off of the old Jewish use of the word. So we're going to see a little bit more about what the qualifications are, what that looks like. And then the next week, we're going to look at what does this, what does it look like in practicality? What, what, is, what does it mean to be an elder in you know, the ha hands and feet, nitty gritty, church life, everyday type of leadership? That's what we're going to look at uh, over the next couple weeks. And so it leaves us with really no doubt that this is the model of church leadership. And I hope to, uh, by the end of our time together in this, that we will not just agree with that, but love it. I mean, just absolutely love that because it's so wise and good for us. So that's where we're going. That's what I hope and pray that God will do in us and in me first. And uh, I am excited to continue to dig in there. Does anybody have any comments or questions before we close up? I know that was like a... If you stood outside the fire hall and got hooked up to, you know, a fire, fire hose was there and they sprayed you down, that's what we just did, a uh, fire hose of the Word of God. But uh, I wanted to lay a ground level before we would jump into uh, a little bit more deeper stuff so we could have time to do that next week and the week after. Any comments or questions?